Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Well, uh, before I get to my part, I just want to thank some people here. I know Julie was up here, and uh, I can't remember if we've thanked her or acknowledged her publicly because I always feel it, and so I forget if I said it. That's my excuse for <laughs> not saying nice things. Uh, but I really, really appreciate all the work that Julie is doing, sacrificial, diligent, consistent work. And can we just acknowledge her together? Just keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, she and her team, I know that she's relied heavily on many of you, including Sai and others, uh, really want to acknowledge you for your work and thank you. We're going to enjoy it. People come, who come after us will enjoy it. It is a gift that's going to keep on giving. So uh, just... Acknowledgements all around. We give thanks ultimately to God, but we do that by thanking people too. Um, another person I want to acknowledge is Joseph. I know, I know I've done this a couple of times already, but he gets so uncomfortable and embarrassed. It's such a joy for me to do this. So let's, let's thank Joseph for leading the men's ministry and then leading small groups and then the successful marriage seminar last. <laughs> And, um, and we've, been, uh, we've been talking about the uh, next level, next uh, progression of things, and so I'm excited about all that is ahead of us. There are many lay people who are working tirelessly with Elise and others in all of the youth and children's programs. I want to acknowledge that group as well. So thank you. I don't see Elise in here. She's in the preschool. This is what I'm talking about. Can't even thank people properly around here. But thank you so much for all that they and you are doing. So let's uh, go ahead and acknowledge uh, Elise and the team as well. And I know that there are more people that I'm not acknowledging today, but we really do uh, function as a village, and it does take the entire village to keep going in this manner. So thank you for all the ways that you serve, that you are thoughtful about the church and all the ministry that happens through this organization. Um, I know that we're supposed to be majoring on the mission and minoring on the institution, but the institution is so necessary to keep the mission going, and I'm, I'm really thankful. And that's the kind of thinking that I didn't know uh, to have when I was a church planter and just so focused on the missional aspect of being a church. But the being part is really, really important. I thank everybody for participating in that. But it's not just about what we have done or what we have uh, going on right now, but it really is more also about the future, how we are going to step into our culture and our society and engage in ways that Christ would have us do through the leading of his Holy Spirit in us. The first way that I want to remind us about is belong. As I've been saying, it's this idea of holding space. I know, here's what I want to tell you. The temptation is to hold a position. But nine out of 10 times, maybe 99 out of 100 times, it's a trap. Because what happens is, as soon as you start leading with your position, rather than just holding the space for conversation and relationship, you become disqualified for further work. I'm going to give you a metaphor that's really been helpful for me to see this. 
a really, really good therapist, a really, really good marriage therapist does not take sides in the sessions, do they? Do they have opinions? Absolutely. I've never not had an opinion. But on my best days, I'm holding my opinions because my job is to hold a space. That's the role of the therapist. And I'm telling you, our society right now is traumatized and we need healing in our nation. We need really good marriage counselors out there. We are a marriage divided. We are bifurcated as a society. And I think right now, at such a time as this, the call on our church, especially on the bleeding edge of our culture here in the Pacific Northwest, our job is to hold space. And I want to encourage you, and maybe remind you, maybe teach you for the first time, to not fall for the trap of leading with your positions. Because you trust that God is working, you trust that as you lead with the relationship, with acceptance, with love, with connection, natural opportunities are going to come up. You're going to be invited by the Holy Spirit within the context of that relationship to shed light, to be light, to be salt. But it's not shining your light. It's letting your light shine. If you shine your light, it's obnoxious, and they'll turn away from you. And it creates fear and feelings of unsafety. They will withdraw from you. But if you let your light shine, it's attractive and magnetic, like a moth to a flame. People begin to remember you in times of need and crisis. And they will boldly approach your throne to receive grace and mercy to help them in time of trouble. But you have to be available and ready. Don't squander it. So help people to belong. Second is become. Right now, we have a credibility issue as a church. People do not trust Christians. People don't believe that the amount or the kind or the narrowness of the content that we claim to be masters of are sufficient to help be a guiding light in their life. This is the perception about Christians. I really want to encourage you to become thinkers and learners and figure out how to integrate all of God's truth into your faith. Embody this integrating faith in yourself as a person. Let people know that you are capable of being a competent person, that you are an honest thinker, that you are aware of your biases, that you are somebody that wants to grow and not just stay. And so in order to do that, I want to invite you to be a learner. Pick up books. Talk to people. Set yourself up to be exposed to different kinds of experiences. Let your imagination free in this one. And then third is to engage. This is really... Uh, we're talking about life purpose here, your identity, how you live every day really speaks to your sense of self. 
And I want to ask you if you believe you are actively engaged in your life purpose on a daily basis, or if you're just sort of living the day-to-day life. And before you know it, a day becomes a week, becomes a month, becomes a year, becomes a decade. How can you participate in the work that God is already doing, as Henry Black, Blackaby? Blackaby said. So I'm going to ask you three questions to end here. Uh, for the idea of belonging, I want you to think of one person that you can radically accept in Jesus' name and to be in relationship with so that when the Holy Spirit says, here's an opportunity, you are available to them. One person. Just think of one person. Second, for become, I want you to think of one way, one thing that can help you learn something in the next month, something new. I just bought a book this morning written by a pimp from the 70s, and the book title is called Pimp. Somebody recommended it to me from our church, said it is one of the most engaging pieces of uh, literature he's read in a really long time, that it speaks to the deep, underbelly truths of life, how life works, and the, the grittiness of human nature. I said, Pastor Peter, I really think you would love reading this book. So I bought it this morning. I'm going to read it this week. I kind of feel nervous about it, actually. <laughs> but if it doesn't go well, I can blame a member of the church. <laughs> that was my way in. Okay, third, engage. Think of your life three years from now. What are you doing that is meaningful to you, that is an active engagement on your part with your life purpose that you're not doing today? You got a person, you got a book, you got a job. Research shows that it takes 25% of a group to be engaged in the new culture and the new changes for it to become the default of that group. It just takes 25%. So that's my goal for this church as a leader here to help move our church, just 25% of the church, into small groups, into serving, into learning, into being in radically different kinds of relationships. Just 25%, one out of four. And if that happens, decision-making science tells us that when something is the default, we will just do it instead of having to choose it. For example, the, the study shows that if, you, if a box says... Check here to donate your organs. Nobody does it. But if the form says, check here if you don't want to donate your organs, then everybody donates their organs. And so that's what I want to move us towards. What's the default culture we want so that people just automatically start doing it? And we don't have to plead and beg every time we get up here to ask you to give more money or serve in some way or go on some trip. 
So 25% default culture shifts in our church in the next year. That's what I am praying about. Okay, let's bow our heads and pray together. God, we are your church, people you love, and we want to be used of you. We want to be caught up in your flow, your movements here. God, we don't want to just keep exerting and trying to do this all on our own or hoping you're with us, but we want to feel like we're catching a wave, a power that's so beyond us. We have no choice but to glorify our God and Father in heaven. So God, may we see that, taste of that, bear witness to it this year. Help us to move, to rise, to feel it. The mighty wind of the Holy Spirit working in our midst. Start with individual hearts and let it spread like wildfire to at least 25% of our congregation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.